1: And welcome back to another episode brought to you by the Influence Alliance, which is the membership program for changemakers, for coaches and consultants who want to build a profitable, scalable business while also launch a successful podcast so that they can make a much better bigger impact in the world with their message and I'm your host Anne-Marie Cross. Now joining me on today's show is Nastasia CS. Naz, she is the founder of the Perfect Startup Incubator and Mind Designer Consulting and her expertise comes from Her journey as an entrepreneur and a decade as a business development expert. Today, she focuses on leading women through launching and finding joy in running their businesses. Specifically, on today's show, Naz is going to share how to launch and grow your business if you're a busy parent. Even if you're not a busy parent, I'm sure some of the insights that Naz shares today is going to be relevant for you. She's going to talk about leading a business as a woman of color, the obstacles and opportunities as well as ways in which white supremacy and patriarchy may just be getting in your way of your entrepreneurial success and what you can do about it. So let's welcome Naz to the show. Welcome.
0: Hello. Welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you
1: have got such a wealth of expertise uh, to share with us today. Cannot wait to dive in. And, you know, one of the things that I often say, and I've experienced this myself, is that hindsight is such a wonderful teacher, isn't it? And I'm sure the lessons and the insights you'll share today have come from things that you've done that may not have worked out so well or the things that you've had to navigate through. So let's just dive into the first one, because I know that there are many women or and men sometimes too because you know they may have uh, changed the role and, and uh, what they're doing uh, inside the family as well as business, launching a business when you've got young children to manage as well. And I know for many uh, people over the last two years that have had to work from home, they've experienced that as well as having to navigate work as well as look after the children. So what are some things that we need to know about this that can help us?
0: Exactly right. Um, when i wrote my book um gosh what was it it was like beginning of pandemic i was starting to write my book which was a guide for people who were starting a family but also were starting a business and it sort of took you step by step on like this, you know the things to do to launch your business while also uh, raising a family while also dealing with fears and limiting beliefs and all the things that come along the journey of entrepreneurship um, and you're so right. Like during the pandemic, I think, I know nobody, none of us could really have foreseen what that life we're gonna, was going to really look like working and children at home and partners at home and everybody's at home doing everything at once all the time <laughs> together. Right. So I think a lot of us were really hit with this new reality and sort of, were stumbling, navigating through it. And, I had been lucky enough to have already had gone through that because when my firstborn was about 4 months old is when I decided to launch a business because why not right and you know I was already busy as it was so why not throw one more thing into the mix and so you know I think that a lot of times, and I'm so glad that you mentioned, you know, like we have this idea of like what it looks like to be a parent. And I think obviously for me, my first thought goes into like mothers because that's my personal experience. Uh, but it doesn't really matter whether you are a father, a mother, uh, an outside caretaker, a grandfather. There's so many different types of families now. And we just are, you know, well, however you came to be that caretaker for children, um, there's still room for you to, if you have that entrepreneurial ambition uh, or desire, there's still room for you to create something um, even amongst the chaos that it can be sometimes to be a stay-at-home parent or to be somebody who works at home while parenting as well. So, you know, some of the things that I often start with because I, you know, in my practice do... Um, coach and guide and mentor a lot of women, a lot of parents through first-time entrepreneurship. Um, but as you said, I also just generally guide folks who just are already busy, right? Either they already have a full-time job um, or they just are p- folks who have a lot going on in their lives. So a lot of those, those lessons apply because ultimately the, a good place to start, you know, a lot of folks ask me like, well, oh, how do you start a business? I think that question is it's it's way farther down the line. Uh, and one of the first questions you have to ask yourself is what's the lifestyle I want, right? Because you're sitting around and you are at home and you're getting, you're dealing with this, with what can be sort of a chaotic experience. Um, and a lot of times I think that the desire to jump into entrepreneurship stems from the desire for more freedom, right? I think it's something that we've all heard as entrepreneurs, like, why did you start? Well, I wanted more freedom. And so, figuring out what that freedom looks like. I think it's a really great first step, right? Because for a lot of people, maybe freedom really does look like, you know what, I want to start a business because I love to spend time with my kids and I want to do more of it. I want to have, you know, all this free time during the day so that we can play and learn from the world and, and take him out doing extraordinary things all over our city or our town or all over the world. And I want to create a business that fit, that can allow me to do that. Mm -hmm. Or Freedom could look like, no, I want freedom to have 18 nannies so that I never have to do this again because I'm exhausted, right? So you want to ask yourself first, what is that? What is your desire? And what does that desire um, look like in regards to the lifestyle you want to create? So, you know, I really encourage folks to sit down and and determine, again, like that lifestyle that they will hope to create um, because that will really help you inform how you're going to run your business and it might help you inform what kind of business you're going to run at all right so if you are somebody who really thrives in um, being really creative and really putting your head down for about 10 hours a day and doing the work because i know a lot of entrepreneurs who love to do that they really live and breathe their work like if that's your that's your style and that's the lifestyle that you want to create then There's so many different businesses that you can do with that, right? And yet, if you're more on the end of, no, the lifestyle that I want to create for myself is something where, you know, again, I can have more time for myself, more time for my family, and I really want to work a couple hours a day, that's like a different kind of business that you want to create. So start by creating that lifestyle. And I really do mean creating. So sit down and just write down, like, what time ideally would you wake up? Well, what would you have for breakfast? Uh, Who's taking the kids to school? Uh, Are they going to school at all? Who is taking care of them? Like all the little details of what day in and day out would look like for you. And then you can see, oh, there's spaciousness here for me to have a business that I run. You know, in a couple hours a day, or there's spaciousness here for me to run a business that really takes up a really big chunk of my time. So that means you can start, you know, a manufacturing business or something that's going to be more of like a startup where you build a really large team and you really get to be dedicated to that work. Or it's going to look like something a little bit smaller, a solopreneurship or something that grows a lot slower. Mm
1: -hmm. That makes sense. And I know we've all heard before the phrase start with the end in mind. And as you were sharing those insights, I remember some of my entrepreneurial pursuit. When I first started my very first business, it was after I had my first child left the paid workforce and uh, my husband said, you know, if I buy you a computer, would you be able to do something with it only because I was getting a little bit restless and uh, and it started from there. And... uh, eventually transitioned into the career industry because I continued to do to, to night school and study the things that I'd uh, found interesting. But then one of the things, and this kind of ties back to what you were saying, uh, I never had anyone such as a NAS that was in my corner saying, think about what, are, what is it that you want? So I kind of stumbled through uh, that. But what I started to see when I joined professional associations in the career industry, many of my fellow career consultants and resume writers who I admired intensely because you know they were um, so successful many of them got burnt out or were complaining about how busy they were and it was almost that I you know kind of projected myself into their future and I thought I don't want to be like that I was already starting to get very busy and having to navigate then three young kids. Um, And so what you're saying is, you know, if if there is aspects of freedom in the, you you know, your business that you want, whatever that may look like, children and so forth, that's going to determine the business model, isn't it? And for a lot of the service-based businesses, if one of the areas that you may find, well, I've got a lot of expertise that I'm bringing from a corporate background. You want to make sure that you create a business model and programs and so forth that does not just work by the hour. Otherwise, what I saw in my colleagues in the career industry, when they charge by the hour, they would hit an income level. So these are all things that you can navigate through and plan for, can't you, when you start to look at, well, what kind of business, what, what is it that I am wanting to achieve from that business so that the business doesn't start
0: running you versus the other way around right exactly and i think you touched on something that um, again it's something that i walk my founders through which is you know a lot of times folks come and they go i would just i want to make a million I make a million dollars and you have to ask yourself why okay yeah. you have that and then what right um because I mean, i've met so many folks that okay i'm gonna make that million and then they make it and then and then they just go on to keep making more and then this that's not there's no fan for you you reach the the the, the 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 milestone and then you just you're still working so sure like we do have these ambitions okay i'm gonna make x amount of money but really, how does that fit into that lifestyle you want to create? So, you know, if, if someone says to me, "Hey, no, I want to be hitting fifty thousand dollars a month," I want to say, "Well, where is that going towards?" So, I, you know, I kind of start, like you said, with the end in mind. And so, as you're creating that lifestyle, as you're really thinking through what that lifestyle you want to have for yourself, part of that is sort of creating that bu- that backwards budget, right? So you create that lifestyle that you want, and then you tag a price to each of those things so that you know roughly what you the monthly cost would be to that have to have that ideal lifestyle so that then you can formulate a business model around that amount of money that you want to make so like you said if someone truly enjoys that one-on-one work and wants to work with clients in that very intimate way that budget has to somehow meet the, the limit that you have as far as hours in the day, right? So, okay, if I need to make 50000 a month, as an example, what is that going to look like for one-on-one work? What is that really going to look like when, I, when I'm charging for one-on-one work, right? Yeah. Or if you create that lifestyle and it turns out that, hey, really, I only need about 15000 a month to be truly happy, then it opens up a lot more opportunities, again, for you to go, okay, well, if I really truly enjoy that one-on-one work, this is going to look like this, or if I'd like yes. to to create bigger packages, then it's going to create maybe more spaciousness in my time, right? So that I maybe only have a couple of clients rather than 15 or 20. So it's really keeping in mind, like you said, that end goal first, and then just shaping that lifestyle first, visualizing it, putting numbers to it, and then forming your business plan, your business model um, around that, that end goal of lifestyle that you want
1: so so important and some key things to consider because once you reflect through today uh, insights that will help with the planning And when we have a plan, then we're able to better track and monitor how we're going against that plan. And we can make decisions during the process. We don't have to wait till we get to the end and develop, you know, build a million dollar business and then turn around and go, you know what? I'm not feeling fulfilled. (laughs) There's no meaning in this or vice versa. You're so burned out. So I love that. Let's dive into the next point that you wanted to talk about, because I'm sure you're going to be able to share some wonderful insights here as well
0: as leading a business as a woman of colour. Sorry, I think I cut out a little bit there, but I I think I know where you were going. So as a woman of color, as an immigrant, as somebody who definitely faced a lot of obstacles um, because of my identity and identities that I held. uh, And also through a lot of the lessons that I learned with my clients, um, because a lot of my clients do tend to be women of color. I realized that there is there are obviously there are obstacles. First of all, the the systemic obstacles, right? The things that we have no control over. Right. Obviously, women of color get less funding and things like that. Um, You know, if you hear all those stories, I don't know where you're from, if you hear those. But, you know, I hear stories in America all the time of of women founders who have to create emails with male names in front of it because if they send it through their own emails they don't really get read so they put a mail like a fake mail in the company just so can actually get their emails read so there are those systemic obstacles that we really have no control over Um, but then there are also the internal obstacles right there are those uh, the limiting beliefs and those generational sort of held beliefs that we tend to hold uh, as women of color that do take a bit more work. But the good thing about those is that those, because those are internal, we have control over them, right? So, you know, I I do work in, in the diversity, equity and inclusion space. And we say that if you have a brain, you have biases. So we have internal biases that also often work against us. So if we are thinking that you know, I'm not what a CEO looks like. I am not, you know, I don't have anybody in my network who's ever been an entrepreneur. I don't have close mentors. So therefore, I don't know if I can truly achieve this thing. I don't have experience in that network. There's so many things that when we really sit down and think about it, you know, we sort of tend to diminish our ambitions because we don't have that model or or that belief that we can actually achieve the things that we truly want to. So taking time to take stock of those and acknowledge them. You know, I would even go so far as to sit down with yourself and write those out. Like, what are the things that I actually am telling myself, whether consciously or unconsciously or subconsciously, that I can't do, that I can't achieve? Because once you acknowledge them, it's a lot easier to um, tackle them and overcome them, right? So if you haven't realized yet that, hey, maybe I didn't start that cosmetic company because it just seemed too big for me, right? This is an experience that I've had with a client of mine. So you want to sit down and go, why am I telling myself that this is too big, right? Where is this fear coming from? Um, And you want to find those ways to find evidence to the contrary or to even just, you know, fake it till you make it. Like keep telling yourself that you can um, so that you can slow bit by bit start to form these new beliefs and and the cool thing about this is that of course you know we all know about visualization and and uh, positive affirmations and whatnot and that you could either be all about them or feel like they're garbage but the, the, the interesting thing for me is that you know thoughts are just newer pathways in our brain there's a beliefs are just thoughts that we think over and over again and so the great thing about that is that you can always form new ones and The thing about these affirmations and and just really sort of faking it till you make it is that you are literally physically altering your brain. You're creating new neuropathways. So you may seem really silly to just keep telling yourself things that you may not believe yet. But little by little, you are forming those new neuropathways that will eventually form into new beliefs so that eventually you can overcome those limiting beliefs. Right. So. When you put, for me, that really connects because I, I'm really evidence-based and, and science-minded. So when I think about it that way, I think that really helped me overcome some of my sort of like eye-rolling beliefs of like, oh, this is just woo-woo talk, Right. And it really does it does help so those are some of the internal obstacles that you like again you want to take stock of make that list of and see like where can i start to chip away at these beliefs so that i can overcome these hurdles so that i can have bigger ambitions right and and go for what i truly have a passion for um and yet there again there's so many opportunities here too because Maybe you are the first in your family who who wants to be an entrepreneur, who has bigger ambitions as an entrepreneur. And there's so many great things about being the first, right? You are not going to automatically fall in line with the status quo because you don't know what the status quo might be, right? You don't have any bad habits. And so if you're lucky enough in those early stages to find somebody, a guide, a coach, a mentor, a podcast, whatever... Someone who maybe you identify with, who is doing things in a way that sounds interesting to you, uh, maybe start that route, right? Um, because again, there's so many opportunities with being the first, you're not going to have those bad habits. Um, and you're going to just have more, maybe more creative thoughts. You know, I work also a lot with really big corporations and there is just this sort of like, this is a machine that's already been running for a long time that, creativity sort of gets stifled and innovation sort of gets stifled because, you know, when you have people, let's say everybody in the marketing group is just doing marketing work and they think that they know the best way to do things. And all of a sudden you bring somebody from operations or somebody from sales and they look at that system and go, well, what about this? Right. Yeah. It can be something that you never thought of. So you sort of have that, that, that advantage as yeah. someone who may be a first, who you're going to you be might think of something that yeah. nobody would even know it's an industry or is, or is something that could be a business, right? And you read about this every day. I mean, I just read about a story of an extraordinary gentleman today. I wish I could remember his name, um, who was incarcerated for for many years. And the thing that kept had kept him motivated was um, the daily pictures and, and postcards from his mother. And so when he got out, he created this business. He now has a startup and what they do is they, for 99 cents, will send a postcard and a picture to your, your loved ones who's incarcerated, which helps a lot with, with morale and all that stuff. So these are the things, right? You have life life experiences that nobody else has and these are gold.
1: Yeah. You know what I love about what you've just said, everything about that. So often we can get stuck in, well, we've always done it that way. Whenever I hear that and said so, there's, there's always a way, isn't there? And it brings, I mean, it sounds as if You know, what you do is to really spark that that, uh, possibility, that flame, if you will, that will allow for expanded thinking. I mean, why are we always doing it this way? And what that can also allow, when you think of the individual that you spoke about, the situations that we have gone through, the challenges that we have gone through and how we have gone through them, you know, the strategies that we've used, the steps that we took. So often we take that for granted, don't we? And just like this wonderful person who you were just talking about, there's a need and and we don't recognise that, do we? We think, oh, well, I'm the only one that has gone through this. It's not going to be helpful for others. Again, that's the mindset that you were talking about. Mm
0: -hmm. Yet now,
1: through following that idea, seeing how significant it was for this person, now is able to impact others. So um, what a wonderful opportunity that may have, you know, gotten missed had it not been followed through. And I think one of the things that you're alluding to as well is surround yourself with other people who can fuel that idea, you know, because we may have a certain idea or a thought and someone else can contribute to it and have you thought about this way and then before long that idea just continues to evolve mm-hmm. and um yeah and we may not be able to see that were it not for surrounding ourselves with other people that can continue to contribute to that idea
0: yes exactly and you know again coming from the the first aid and inclusion space you know we tend to sort of gloss over or not even realize the fact that our networks are so homogenous, right? Because why not? We want to have friends who have the same interests as we do. And our families are our families. We don't really have control over who they are. Um, And so when we do stop and look around, we oftentimes realize that, you know, I'm not really making an effort to connect with folks outside of these identities that I hold. And that, like you said, really stifles like innovation and, and new ideas and creativity and so making that bit of effort to put yourself outside of you know where you've been and to break the algorithm right so yeah. you step out of your of your online bubble there's so many things out there and then to touch on the other thing that you were saying it's that our personal lived experiences are so precious and they're unique and you know again even if you think you're the only one with that problem I can guarantee you almost that you're not. No, you know, whatever problem you have is a business opportunity.
1: Yeah. Uh, what I love about what you've just said there is how many people that I've spoken to or I've seen comment online where they're saying, I'm looking for a community that does X, Y, and Z. I cannot find it. And when you speak to them it is a, an area that they're very familiar with. They've walked through journey through, challenged through, so to speak. And I'll often say to them, well, you can't find a community. Maybe that's because it's yours to champion you know mm-hmm. so and then when you do I mean how often do people who who maybe spearhead something like that champion a, a community like that others come out of the woodwork and say oh we so resonate with what you're saying and mm. so maybe people that are listening or watching today or even the recording that have been sitting on an idea they're looking for others to join uh, or you know just so that they can join that community but actually it's theirs to uh to to spearhead and get off the ground, which I love. Again, another opportunity, you know, make those opportunities. So that's important. Let's uh, transition now into the third point, uh, which is ways in which white supremacy and patriarchy may be getting in the way of entrepreneurial success. What can we do about that if this is something that we can resonate with?
0: Yeah, I feel like this is the point where a lot of people are going to go, whoop, tuning out. (laughs) don't want to hear about that, don't want to touch it. Whatever you want, I'm
1: sure that there are things within the community or the the network circles that you're, you know, that you're um, kind of stepping in or or integrating in and and that can be very beneficial to hear what you've got about to say.
0: Yeah, come back, everyone. So I know this, this again. This can turn some people off and go, oh, why do we have to talk about this? I don't know, especially in America, it can be such a tiresome subject for some folks or even can really turn some folks off. Um, and so what I really mean about this is that these are just the systems in which we live. You know, there's no denying that uh, historically um, our systems have been very patriarchal, right? Most of our of leadership around the world uh, is... Of the male gender, um, and again, historically, the systems that we live in have been uh, white supremacist, and so those systems have created certain um, a certain status quo that we don't even we don't even realize comes from that system, right? So I think there's a lot of opportunity for for entrepreneurs, especially folks who want to be innovative, to try to find ways to break away from that, right? And yeah. I think a great example is. We're looking at now, like the remote uh, work uh, culture, right? It took this big pandemic to sort of break how the status quo was sort of like running along and would have run along for who knows how long, right? And now folks are realizing, oh, there is a different way to do this, Mm -hmm. right? This is possible for us to have a big network that's global and hire folks from all over the world and run really efficient businesses without tying people up to their desks, right? Yes. Without making them commute, without making them sort of turn their lives upside down, just so they can be in a room physically together, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just one example. Other examples are things like individualism, right? That's very sort of like patriarchal based and in white supremacy based in that like I, well, I'm looking out for myself. I am focused on my growth. I will climb this career ladder. And that is what I'm going to be encouraged to do from other folks. And that's just what I've learned to do. And this is what my family has always done. And that's what my parents reinforced for me, right? You must climb this ladder. You must go from this place to this place and this place and so forth. And so we just accept that that's what we should do. And so I think that if we sort of question that a bit more, Maybe we can step away from individualism and more community-based work. Imagine how amazing it would be to, as an entrepreneur, be part of a community rather than just just be the sole founder, the sole CEO who's doing this all by yourself. What would it look like maybe for you to have many co-founders and many co-CEOs or maybe create a, a, a hierarchy or lack of a hierarchy in your organization that cultivates community rather than individual growth, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just one aspect. Um, another one is speaking of growth is growth at all costs, right? Mm-hmm. This we're sort of like really getting out of hand now with how we're dealing with capitalism, which is like, you know, like there's just such a focus on growth that there's so many other things being forgotten. One of them being the fact that, again, we are working with people, we're working in a community what does it look like to maybe care a little bit more about creating a lifestyle for all the folks working within your organization where they can all thrive rather than, you know, oppress some folks just so that you can have a better return on your investment or oppress some folks so you can create a better margin of profit, right? Right. So- These are just some of the things that I really encourage my founders to think about, because, again, being the first, we have so many opportunities here to do things differently. And yet, I think a lot of us fall into that autopilot because the only examples that we have have done things in X, Y and Z ways. Right. So take a breath. You know, if you do decide to launch a startup where you are going to have to build a team, how can you bring the idea of community-based work of inclusion and belonging into your organization from day one. And what is that, like, what does that mean for you as an entrepreneur? What does that mean for you as an organization? Like, um, how do you lead with integrity rather than lead with growth being top of mind?
1: Yeah. So agree with that. Um, and as you're speaking, you know, all of the things that you spoke about is so important. It was interesting. Um, this would have been several years ago, I interviewed one of my colleagues who is in based in in my area here in Melbourne and he is a very successful entrepreneur he also speaks very uh, through universities but in the area of entrepreneurship and collaboration and he was saying that uh, you know studies have shown here in Australia and I'm not sure what it's like over in the US but we were very reticent so we did not really do a lot of collaborative projects where companies would bring their expertise and collaborate together for uh, the it's a win-win-win for everyone, win for individual companies, but a win for the community, for the consumers as well, whereas in other countries such as the, the Netherlands and so forth, you see a lot of them collaborating with the innovations they came up with to deal with certain, you know, um, floods and so forth, low-lying grounds and things like that. And I think when you move forward with that collaborative community but with compassion, I think too, and I think a lot of women bring that in naturally, don't we? We're naturally compassionate. And not just saying it, putting it nicely on our websites. If this is what we stand for, but actually breathe it. There's no underlying selfishness there, if I can use that word, is that it? it really is generally from the heart. Because I think consumers are now, just like employees who have had an opportunity to work from home now and both, we call that a hybrid here. I'm sure you've had you've got some sayings over there that we've labeled it, have recognized, well, why do I need to come into the office five days, you know, a, a week? Why can't I have a blend? And if the organizations aren't coming to the table, it's like, well, I'll find one that does. They've had more of the freedom and opportunities, you know, which I think is great. I'm all about challenge the status quo. Mm -hmm. If someone said, well, well, we've always done it that way, so so what? We, you know, break the moulds, you know, break the moulds. Don't just, you know, do what we've always done. Otherwise we're just going to get the same old, same old results, aren't we?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and the same, and, old, and same, same old, same old benefits very few. Same old, same old. You know, break the mold. You have that as, you know, the. if someone says you got to do it that way, I'll automatically, I, I always say, I'm a bit of a rebel like that. If someone <laughs> says to me, um, you can't do that. I mean, I have guidelines and principles. I'm a Christian. So if it says in the Bible that it can be done, I'm going to do it, even if someone says you can't, you know, because there's, there's a set of laws that I will run my life with. And it's the same with entrepreneurship. You know, break the mold. Create a business um, that becomes almost like a movement, isn't it? And mm-hmm. make it out there in the community. So, um, yeah, I love that. Look, we've just scratched the surface, and all of the wonderful conversation that uh, we've had with you today. Naz, if someone is listening or watching and uh, thinks I'd love to find out more about the work that you do, how can they get in contact with you?
0: Well, I love meeting new folks, and I thrive in in teaching and guiding and mentoring so i'm always putting up new workshops so for anyone listening just go to the minddesignerworkshop.com and you will see which workshop i'm running now uh, like that's the the minddesignerworkshop.com and right before i jumped in i created a, a nice little um coupon for your listeners if they would like to take advantage of it um, the coupon is ambition so just go to the minddesignerworkshop.com and use the coupon ambition for um half off any workshop I'm doing this month. And Yeah, I I like to work in that way. Like I said, I like to meet new folks and I am very discerning with my clients. So come to our workshop if you like what I do. If I like what your ambition is, we can certainly connect and see where we can go from there. And besides that, again, I do uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion work for large orgs as well. So if anyone listening already has a large organization who wants to have DNI as part of their DNA, um, you can get in touch with me as well.
1: Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm asking this question out of the blue, but I'm sure you'll be able to come up with something. You know, as I started off the show saying hindsight was and and can be and often is the greatest teacher. If you could go back to your younger self and share one insight uh, to your younger self, what would that be? I know there's probably many, but what would be one that you would share to your younger self? It's
0: funny because I would say none. Make the same none. mistakes like all over again because I'm in a great place. So if I hadn't yeah. made any of that, you know I love that don't know, you know where I would be.
1: <laughs> people often say, oh, you know, if I would go back to that young age and and if I could do that and I'm the same as you, it's like, no, not really. And and a lot of the heartaches and the challenges that we've come, come through, I'm a firm believer that it shapes the character and who we
0: become 100%. and
1: hopefully it's a good shaping because as we, we we know there's certain circumstances and you spoke into that things that we've observed or go, go have gone through if we don't heal through that it can sometimes become a trigger and keeps us stuck so you mm-hmm. know what, what are the things that are driving us so I love that response way you know fantastic way mm-hmm. cool all right thanks once again for coming on the show Naz loved our conversation thank
0: you so much It was such a pleasure thanks for having me this podcast is brought to you by the InfluenceAlliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming
1: known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.TheInfluenceAlliance.com slash podcast series. That's the com slash podcast series.